everybody, welcome to Round Book Pod. This is Anna Koki, your host for this week. And we are starting on a month talking about science fiction and fantasy romance. And I am super excited to have Tasha Suri with us today. Hi, I'm really happy to be here. Now, Tasha has two books out, The Books of Amba. Am I pronouncing that right? Yep, perfectly. Great. And you have an upcoming series also, that's fantasy with the romance elements too, right? Yes. Yeah, um, the Burning Kingdoms trilogy, which starts with the Jasmine Throne, which is coming out in, I remember the date, June <laughs> Um, And it's got a sapphic um, romance between two morally dubious lesbians bent on revenge. <laughs> Super exciting. I love revenge romances. <laughs> uh, and I just love that anytime that we get to see some good sapphic romance in fantasy is fantastic. Or you know that they're not necessarily going to die. <laughs> Too many, too many of those. There's so many where they die, but not, well, I, I can't say about my own book, but not in many of the ones that are coming out now. No, thank God. So I was introduced to your books by Aria. She is an Indian American uh, reviewer, and she just couldn't stop talking about the Empire of Sand. And I felt like, okay, fine, I'll start reading it. And I loved it. I so, I mean, it's so rare to see such a fully realized fantasy world with such fantastic slow burn romance through there. But I just really loved Meher and Arwa and all the fantastic women in your story. Well, thank you so much. I have to say that the the books themselves were not marketed as romantic fantasy or fantasy romance. And I've always been a humongous romance reader. I've always loved romance. I've always read paranormal romance because I think that's always been the biggest kind of fantasy element in romance. Yes. Um, so to have people like Arya and other, and other readers sort of say, oh, this is a really good romance and really like rooting for the book has just been fantastic. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's good to have those expectations to know that it's fantasy first with romantic elements mm-hmm. then it, because it takes a long time for that relationship to build and the, the strength of it it becomes central to the to the, the the story but it's also like I tell people like the book has like three elements it has like sort of a coming of age realizing leaving mm-hmm. behind childhood then that trial and then her coming into her power and in there she falls in love yeah uh, <laughs> So you said you you were a longtime fan of romance and paranormal. That's where I came from, too. I was a fantasy fan who kept getting my heart broken and eventually ended up in romance. And paranormal was my way in. Do you have some favorites that you loved that influenced you? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I spent a l- number of years not really reading much romance. Like I read a little bit of Regency, which I still love, um, mm-hmm. and not reading much else. The occasional kind of Mills and Boone modern and then I came across Marjorie Liu's Dirk and Steel series. Mm. And I don't know how popular that one is now. It, I, I remember I, hearing about it when I first came into romance around 2010 and all that. Oh, yeah, that was about the time that I read it. Um, mm. And I was just really astonished because it, it seems odd to say now when I think that fantasy and romance have become significantly more diverse. But I hadn't mm. read much fantasy with, um, with people of color in it. Yes. And then I opened up a Marjorie Liu paranormal romance. And it started off with, well, it had people of color in main roles. Mm-hmm. And um, she always had a really global cast. It always had really interesting, often kind of really out there, for lack of a better word, kind of sci-fi-ish, paranormal-ish plot lines. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, one, romance can do a lot more than I thought romance could, which was my own limitations. Right. And 
fantasy could do so much more than I thought it could do. So she introduced me, her books introduced me to sort of the idea that you could have diverse, interesting casts doing really interesting things that involve fantasy and romance. Um, and then, of course, I read Nalini Singh as well. Yeah, Nalini was my crossover uh, person. I had read some like Anna Aguirre, Sarah Jacks, I think, books. And then I just sort of stumbled onto Nalini. And um, yeah, I, I think that same feeling of having grown up reading a lot of traditional fantasy mm. where it was very European based and very white, having suddenly finding, wait a minute. <laughs> It, there can be more color in this world without it being aliens. All right. I know. It's just it was just astonishing. And I think people um, people who don't read romance don't realize how much cool stuff Nalini Singh does. Mm-hmm. Like you know, even when I read the first book in the Sly Chilling series, I don't know why I stumbled over that word. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I, I was like, wow, she's built this whole world that not only has essentially kind of Vulcan esque people mm-hmm. and changelings but a futuristic technological system that involves green renewable energy, just because. Just because. (laughs) Yes, just because. And and it was just just so great that she did this humongous amount of world building to build this world in order to support the the love stories and the emotional arcs of her characters. And I just really, really loved that. Yeah, we were very lucky to have her on the show last month. And she's as lovely as uh, as she seems on Twitter, just a fabulous person. And, I'm so yeah. glad to hear that. Yes. So you've mentioned how the books of Amba are marketed as fantasy, not mm-hmm. romance. Tell me a little bit of like, being crossing that line, being in there in between. Uh, well, as you've as you've pointed out, there is a, a huge amount of fantasy that is not really romance in any way, shape, or form, and that's fine. You know, I think. It's like romance, it's a genre with lots of segments um, that appeal to different people. Um, And there is a very big part of fantasy that is really about, really puts the focus more on adventure and politics and magic systems. This is a very generic point, but, you know, um, than it does on the emotional journeys of primarily women. Because I think, you know, obviously you have romance that focuses on men and you know people who are not women essentially but a lot of it is Uh about women's desire and that's the kind of romance that I grew up reading for example um whereas fantasy by and large doesn't focus on that kind of interior character journey in the same way Uh um again that's that's really kind of um generalizing about a huge genre but but that that's the general sense that there is like a segment of fantasy that's like that where it's it's more hidden in the corners, it's on the side, and maybe not necessarily. It's maybe often found family rather than a, uh, yeah, a necessarily yeah. romantic relationship drawing it all together. Oh yeah, you're you're exactly right. Yeah, and when there is a focus on characters, yeah, it is about found found family and about families and that, those kind of interactions. That said, you do have a lot of romances in fantasy, but they don't always have the happily ever after. So I wouldn't yeah. necessarily go and call them a romantic fantasy or a fantasy romance because that would be misleading people. But that said, I also, as part of reading people like Nalini Singh and Marjorie Liu, I also luckily managed to read quite a number of um, people writing fantasy who were marketed as fantasy, who were actually writing things that you could also call a romance. Mm-hmm. So reading Juliette Marillier, for example, totally changed my sense of how fantasy works. Because her fantasies, I don't know if you're familiar with them, Daughter of the Forest was the first oh. one that she wrote. And it, I think I've heard her name, but I have not picked up the books oh I I really loved her early books they 
the first one, Daughter of the Forest, was based on the Seven Swans fairy tale about the girl whose brothers are turned into swans and she has to stay silent for a year and make these shirts from this terrible, um, painful plant in order to turn them back into humans. It's a typical kind of fairy tale in that sense. And she wrote a kind of Irish historical fantasy about the girl in that story and her romance and she wrote a number of books that sort of followed that same pattern of of a woman experiencing magic and falling in love Mm -hmm. and that was fantasy but it had that really strong romantic storyline and I remember it kind of making me think oh this is what I want from fantasy this is the particular Mm -hmm. niche in fantasy that really appeals to me and it was exactly um, what I didn't find in, say, things like Lord of the Rings, where I was like, why does it focus on the romance? This is really weird. Why is it all about these guys going for a long walk? But, you know. <laughs> There's not nearly enough women in it. And I, no. I say this as someone who named one of uh, their children after a character in the Lord of the Rings. So I, I, I also loved that world. But yes, it, it's much more platonic friendships than any kind of like uh, romantic journey. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and yet I kind of really wanted the romance in there. You know, not to do Lord of the Rings down. Obviously, I'm not in any position to judge it badly. We can take a hit. It's okay. <laughs> I, I do have a Lego Orthanc in my house, so so don't. <laughs> I'm looking at my copy of The Hobbit over on my bookshelf, and it's fine. It's going to be completely fine. <laughs> it's like, I'm cool. Enough people love me. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to sort of reimagine some other fantasies, romances that, uh, fantasies that I read that had romantic elements and how sometimes you just try to fix them in your head a little bit, right? Uh, The tragic endings, well, they just ended a little sooner (laughs) in in the book. Uh, I guess that's what fan fiction's for. I mean, mm -hmm. I was just literally thinking, you know, there may not be much romance in The Hobbit, but I'm pretty sure if you go on a life of our own, you know, I'll leave it there. <laughs> I am so sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, it, it's it's such an interesting balance uh, to be a fantasy reader and a romance reader, mm-hmm. and to find stories that sort of bridge that gap. And you know, but at the same time, it's so much about expectations. So, like, I'm always careful when I'm re- uh, re- uh, making that distinction when I am recommending it forward because I don't want a, a, fan, a romance reader to stumble upon it and go, there's just not enough. And you're like, no, 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 but it's beautiful. <laughs> just <laughs> stick with it. I, I think that, yeah, there are definitely books that I've read that are fantasy where I, I always hesitate to recommend them to people as romance, even if mm-hmm. the love story in them is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to think of examples, Deathless by Catherine Valenti. Mm-hmm. is about um and i'm going to pronounce this wrong i accept it i'm just going to move on um the, <laughs> the relationship between mary morevna and goshe the deathless so it's it's a an old slavic i believe russian tale of um a girl falling in love essentially with death mm-hmm. and what happens there and it's it's all about that relationship it's very charged it's it's darkly beautiful would i call it a romance no Mm-hmm. But it's nonetheless, it's a love story. And I think it appeals to a lot of people who read romance. But if I tell people it's a romance, then it, it leads people to have expectations that won't be fulfilled. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that's where like I read Naomi Novik's Uprooted, mm. which has a strong romantic story through it. But it fails so many romance 
needs in a way, you know. So where I enjoyed it, I loved it, but I'm also very careful when I re- recommend it to people because it 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 it, 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 it it's not central. It's not central, and in some ways, it's it, it lacks enough romanticism for a lot of our audience. And my one of my children read it recently and said, well, and also she falls in love with the wrong person. So it's no, I agree. I agree completely. She should have fallen in love with her best friend. Yes, that's exactly the storyline that and that my child, my oldest wanted to pursue. So yeah, that because they, from rivalry to like, all, yeah, it, it could have been so different. So. It always makes me think of, um, Uprooted always makes me think of Grace Draven's, um, I think it's called Master of Crows. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that one where you kind of have that same thing of like, a, a woman and a, a ancient magical figure and then captivity oh and you know scholarship and etc and it kind of has that same vibe and you can really see when you put them next to each other the difference between something that's a romance and not a romance yes yes very much oh that's so funny I wonder how I'll have to ask my kiddo if if they ever found any satisfactory fan fiction of that sense maybe we'll link it I, I just have to believe that there is always fan fiction there's always fan fiction that's true that's very true we just conjured it up somebody else is writing it right now yeah they, they just felt a ping in the universe and they've gone off to to, to write that story right a second so what do you think is to your biggest challenge as a fantasy writer to do well by the romance? Is that something that just came natural to you because of your love for romance? Or was was there like some, some tension as you as you wrote it? Do you mean um, tension between writing romance in fantasy? Or... Yeah, like it, was, was it something that you just naturally did? Or was it something that you, you fought against because maybe the editors won't want it or... All the, you know, marketing won't enjoy it, all those kind of things. I have to be honest, like, there is no way I could have written a book without a romance in it. It's so integral to what I enjoy reading mm-hmm. that I, and it's so integral to what I enjoy writing about characters. There's no, like, I don't expect that from other authors. I love reading books that really explore familiar relationships and friendships in a really deep and interesting way. But I love writing romance. So you um, always knew that what yeah. you were going to write would have romance. Yeah, I really like the kind of the the emotional charge of it and the the kind of, um, I don't know how to put this, the kind of the character interaction and the digging you can do into someone's psyche through the kind of the intimacy aspect. And I don't yeah. necessarily mean a sexual intimacy necessarily. I, I just find that all really fascinating. And I think it can tell you a lot about the world you're writing about, as well as about the characters. Right. Um, I mean, I think in, in Mare and Arwa's very different kind of romances, you see, you know, how they come to trust and how they come to sacrifice and all that. They come at it from very different directions and we're very, very different men. Um, and you sort of watch that develop. And it, it sort of distinguishes the, the two women as even though they have you know similar upbringings and all that oh yeah definitely I mean Meher her love interest is this you know I sometimes say he's a bit of a like he's a big bear because he's so like Mm -hmm. strong and silent and you know tattooed but he's actually very soft and you know always very measured and has a a great awareness of the way he comes across as as somebody that he's perceived as quite brutal but he's not in any way um and and a lot of their interaction is about negotiations of consent I guess Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and that was like a really lovely thing to interrogate and whereas Arwa's romance was with this this pretty boy who lives in a grave 
yard, essentially, <laughs> which, you know, definitely not drawing on anything from my teenage years there. Um, <laughs> and that was all about, like, I guess, about desiring something for yourself and about being an intellectual equal with somebody when when you've spent your whole life being belittled and being told not to reveal your intellect or to be a full person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the nice thing about taking those kind of romances, because I think romance always explores characters and allows you to see their strengths and their weaknesses and what they really, really desire, whether that's something they get from that another person or they get along the journey, um, is that when you bring fantasy into it, you can start exploring those themes in a kind of ripple out way <laughs> that sounds very vague but when I talk no. about like Meher and Armin and their their love story is a story of consent the mm-hmm. whole magic system is about consent and about promises and about what and then it kind of goes a step further and it's like what can you consent to when you're part of an imperialistic system that grinds you down and makes you and objectifies you and treats you as if you're inhuman so it becomes it part of the larger story yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you're very right. That whole the, the relationship between the Daiva and the Amrithi is mirrored in in Amun's and uh, Meher's relationship, right? Of trying mm-hmm. to like, protect each other, but also ex- ex- exchanging trust and and uh, fellowship. Yeah, and I think it's I, I get kind of passionate about it, but I think that one of the things that romance does really well is it it explores the the importance of human vulnerability and trusting each other and loving each other and how difficult that can be and how hard it is to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those are really big themes. And if fantasy is all about big themes, there's no reason you can't bring together those big themes that are so at the heart of romance and, you know, slap some magic onto them, I guess. <laughs> But you don't simply slap some magic onto that. This is not some wallpaper magic. You have you develop quite a system, a very interesting and different one. I I loved you know like I know it's heavily influenced by Mughal um, culture and your South Asian heritage. But I really just loved the intricacy of it. That you know the 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 scripts, the 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 dance, the the hand gestures, and how emotional that all was. Thank you. I mean, yeah, it was it was hugely influenced by the stuff that I grew up with. There is a lot about vows, I think, in the first book. And that was partly from some of the the Hindu specifically epics that I grew up with as a kid, sort of watching on telly with my grandma, because they really emphasize the importance of importance of vows once a vow was made if it was broken, it was a huge dishonor. And therefore, people would often stick to vows even at with humongous world-changing consequences so it was really fun to play with that and you know to look at the dance lessons I did as a kid that I was really bad at and turn them into a magic system (laughs) no pressure you gotta get this right or you know the maha will kill us Uh, (laughs) worst dance teacher ever oh my god yes (laughs) so do you want to share some books um at this point in the show we normally just say yeah share with you with the audience some books that you really wish people would read and why they're special to you excellent I've tried to pick books that are romances so Mm -hmm. not ones that have a love story but don't end happily ever after not ones that sort of have an element of romance that isn't really central so Mm -hmm. that that kind of narrowed my list somewhat but one of the books that maybe sort of verges on not being fully a romance, but I would argue kind of is, is Cushiel's Dart mm-hmm. by Jacqueline Carey. That's sort of an oldie that's been around for a while. But I read it, it very early on in my romance journey and really did not know what to make of it then because I was it was so different from so much I was finding in the library. 
it, it is a very well it's not that different now but it was very different when it came out wasn't it and I, I read it way too young I won't <laughs> say what age I was but I was too young it's for those who haven't read it or aren't familiar with it it's the story of a woman who has a god-given gift of masochism bear with me mm-hmm. and she becomes a courtesan in a fantasy renaissance-esque Europe um, where sex work is holy and becomes a spy and becomes involved in a lot of political intrigues and has um, romance with multiple people. But the most important romance, arguably, in the whole series about her life is the one she shares with the the apparently um, chaste monk who is her bodyguard. So there's a lot going on in that book. <laughs> so pick it up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a great book. And it's a great series. And I think the thing that is really lovely about it is it looks at different kinds of power. So it's the idea that you don't have to like have a big sword and hack people apart to be strong. Right. It looks at politics in really interesting ways. But in terms of the romance, it's really nice to read a romance between two people that spans multiple books where they have to deal with huge issues of, of difference between each other. And it also kind of deals with, I'd argue, kind of polyamory because she's mm-hmm. not you know, only sleeping with him. Mm-hmm. And that that's important. And that's part of who she is. And it, it kind of the book grapples with that or the series grapples with that in a really interesting way. So I would I would fully recommend that series as something that romance readers should read, because I think it kind of brings together that love of historical romance that a lot of us have, and fantasy and a love story. And it's very sexy. So it's a good one. Yeah, I think when I picked it up, I was looking for more sexy books. And it was certainly sexier than I expected uh, in a very different way an edgy way yeah (laughs) oh what else what else would I recommend I recently read Silver in the Wood by Emily Tesh Mm -hmm. and that one is a lovely book and if you want something as a kind of gentle gentle introduction again it has a little historical element to it it's um, a fantasy it's romance but it's a novella so you can sort of get into it and enjoy it and then it's not a huge you don't have to invest a huge amount of time in it, whereas you do have to do that for Cushiel's Dart. Right. And, I mean, and that's always uh, such an interesting thing. Like one of my favorite fantasies with a romantic element, like the Goblin Emperor. But oh, they're so good. So good in a beautiful sort of allegory for chronic illness and isolation and all sorts of stuff. But it's a huge investment. It's a huge book. Mm. And, you know, lots of language to learn. And I keep hoping we will see more <laughs> someday. One day, one day. I'm sure there will be more. I mean, I think there's meant to be a sequel. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know the author who wrote it uh-huh. deals with chronic illness themselves. So I think that's why it's been such a long time. But I've, I think I've recently heard that there might be something coming. Oh, that's exciting. I think I think we can wait for the good stuff. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, and I think that's one of the things that fantasy and sci-fi do take a little bit of investment because you often have mm-hmm. to engage with new world building and that can be quite quite a hurdle which is why I kind of like historical fantasy as an intro, because it takes you into something that is usually somewhat familiar and then kind of leads you from there. And, um, oh, Silver in the Wood has a male-male gay love story in it. And essentially it draws on English folklore. So it's the love story between a green man or a wild man in a forest and um, a very lovely, sparkly, curious, maybe too curious for his own good scholar. Um, (laughs) And it's very sweet and gentle, yet also very horrific. I think it's kind of got the the kind of the gruesome tree horror vibe of Uprooted. Okay. Yeah. 
but it's also got a very sweet love story. Okay, so, then you, you sold it to me. Now I definitely have to go there. Excellent. <laughs> I'm sorry, my cat is yelling extremely <laughs> loud. Hello, cat from across the ocean. Okay, she's gone. She'll be back, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> another book, another novella is In the Vanisher's Palace by Aliette de Bodard. And it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling in a post-colonial Vietnamese fantasy setting. Huh. Um, and it's sapphic. And the beast is a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot. It's got a lot going on. But I think what I love about it is that you you find like a lot of stories that have that kind of Beauty and the Beast vibe, mm-hmm. which I love. Like, I'll, I'll read that anytime. But what I love about this one is that Aliette really delves into discussing what it means to be good and to love in um once you've been through post-colonial trauma mm-hmm. just quite like a big vibe that that's a yeah. lot but yeah she does it through the kind of the interactions between individual people so you have this character who's essentially um keeping another character captive but that isn't all that's happening Mm-hmm. and they actually discuss that and work through it and deal with the kind of consequences of, of that kind of awful dynamic that is between them and they actually unknot it which I think is really lovely and I think more people should read that book so. and that seems like a lot you said it was a, a novella and it does that so well yes like wow. a, in a very small book yeah um, because I mean I think that's something that people I think some of my unfairly judged novellas, I think there's lots of work that can be done with the right author's hand in just a a short page count. Oh, yeah, definitely. It does take a lot of skill. It's not something I would want to try. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I go long usually, so it's it's, I'm not I'm not doing myself down, I promise. Um, But a good novella just kind of it's like a perfect tiny cake. It gets Mm -hmm. all the good stuff and it makes it small and it's just perfect. And I don't know about you, for me, this year more than ever, I've depended on novellas to get me through. Oh, novellas, yeah. and then, like, weirdly, also, like, long series. And I think some of it is the the world-building element. In a long series, you only make that investment once, and then you can keep having these stories. But in a novella, then you can sort of consume it in a day before your mood changes or something ruins it or whatnot. Oh, yeah. it's Yeah, I agree with you. It's that thing of, like, either you invest a small amount of time or you invest a lot of time kind of once and you just keep going mm-hmm. yeah so yeah two novellas I think they're both really good I mentioned Juliet Marillia earlier but mm-hmm. I am going to recommend her because she you know I just think her those romances are really good the seven waters trilogy is what it's called just the first three books because they're my favorite but I'm recommending the second one which is Son of the Shadows because it just like I just remember swooning over it with my friend who'd also read it because it's the romance between a woman who's a healer in a kind of Irish historical setting mm-hmm. and a man who leads a band of mercenaries. And he has a tattoo that like goes down all the side of his face and down his body. And he's like really angry all the time and barely ever talks. But then they have like one of the most mind blowingly beautiful, intimate sex scenes that I've read in fiction. So I recommend that to everyone who <laughs> wants that kind of book. <laughs> That's excellent. That's very cool. I love healers, and often when they're paired, especially with the sort of a, somebody who's been deeply hurt or a, somebody who, yeah. who's who's been a object of violence, um, there's often that so, so many interesting things to explore. 
definitely. And I think the romance is just really beautiful. I think it will appeal to a lot of people. So that kind of series is, is great. It You know, it has its flaws. I, I won't say otherwise. Like, I don't necessarily love the way it handles some themes in it. I'll leave that to people reading it to decide. But the romance itself is just so luminously beautiful that I think you can kind of go, I'll just ignore that vibe over there and keep reading this. So. And I will say that we always include content warnings in our show notes. So thank you for providing some for there so people can make a choice of what they're willing to try. No problem. What was the last? Uh, oh, This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amal Elmota and Max Gladstone. Uh-huh. Apologies to the authors if I said their names wrong. I should have checked this before we actually recorded. But that is a sci-fi romance, which is obviously slightly rarer to find than uh-huh. fantasy romance. I can recommend another one, but it's not out for a few months, so I'll, I'll hold off on oh. that. Um, yes. And, um, <laughs> well, you're going to have to tag us in it, and we'll add it to the show notes. Oh, definitely. Comes um, <laughs> this is How You Lose the Time War is... A um, and I can't say the actual like correct word for this, so I'll just say mm-hmm. a love story told through letters between two different time agents on different sides of a war for the future, essentially. Oh. So two time strands are fighting against each other, and they send two agents through time, among others, who are fighting mm. to take control of how history and the future will turn out. And um, it's sapphic again, mm-hmm. and it's all told through letters between Blue and Red, who are the two different agents. And it, it has that like that quality of old fashioned love letters mm-hmm. where they they're intimate and detailed and full of lush descriptions. And often they're about things that are not love, but love underlies all of it. Mm-hmm. It's very that it's quite small. Again, I'm, I'm recommending quite a few small books, but it packs a lot of like beautiful intimacy into it. It's it feels like a really intimate and subtle and beautiful book even when it's not always about love Um, but it is profoundly a romance and the audiobook is really really good I can fully recommend that because it's lovely hearing those letters read out by two different voices and getting the difference between them so there you go Um, okay yeah, I and love I, finding a good audiobook recommendation because oh, yes, I listened to Empire of Sand, and that was something that brought me in was the the beauty of the narration. So I totally understand. Oh, the narrator for Empire of Sand was wonderful. I was really pleased to get her. Yep. So this is how you lose the time war, and the book that's not out yet is Winter's Orbit by Everina Maxwell. Okay. And it's a male um, male arranged marriage in space. <laughs> you know, I our, one of my co-hosts on the show uh, will definitely be looking out for that. That's uh, Sarah Jean. She is always looking for some more. She particularly enjoys female romance and is always looking for a little bit more of it in space. So that's awesome. It's proper space opera. I think she will love it. So. Oh, that's excellent. I remember reading like some Robin Bacar um space opera too i heard then uh one of them i read for when i was reading for romantic times and there's always so many layers uh to that space opera of of you know there's the adventure the 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 political negotiations often and then just good old you know uh ships and machines and all that all of the good stuff yes yes now have you read Alyssa cole's the ai who loved me no i haven't uh, you should uh, try the audiobook for that because that's another one that's 
uh, it was like an Audible original at some point, and so it has like a stellar cast, uh, like full audio. And, and then now she's released a novella as a regular book too. But one of the, I mean, it's as the title says, somebody who falls in love with what is an AI. There, she's not aware of it at the beginning, but she's also not aware of many other things. And it's and in very, I think, prescient uh, storytelling of our dystopian world uh, <laughs> we've been in for the last few years. Beautiful romance, the questioning of like, who am I? Who can love? And what is, who controls our future, you know? I love that. I love that. And I recently read like, um, and I can't remember the provenance of it, unfortunately, a quote which was talking about the way that AI is often a way for men to kind of misogynistically express their fear of women. Uh-huh. Um, because you know you get films like where oh the AI is a woman she's going to turn on us and ugh yeah it's nice to see someone deal with AI in a slightly more interesting way yes yes and that, you know like definitely in a way where it's definitely not exploring mystic <laughs> storyline <laughs> but it's really just about identity and memories and what we've actually who we actually are so oh that sounds beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Mindy Kaling is one of the uh, narrators. So really, know. yes. Oh, okay. I'm checking this out. <laughs> I've got some Audible credits. I'll go use them up. I highly recommend it. Well, thank you so much uh, for spending time with me and telling me about your passion for fantasy and sharing some great recommendations. I really appreciate that you've taken this time. Do you have any parting words to our audience, or I mean, you can plug your book that's coming up. Oh yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> yes, buy my book. I mean, uh, uh, disclaimer: I can't call it necessarily a romance because it's a three-book series, and I don't want to spoiler what will happen. It right. is very much a fantasy. It's an epic fantasy, but it has a very strong sapphic love story as part of it. Um, it's called The Jasmine Throne. It's out in June. Apart from that, thank you so much for ha- for having me. I love talking about romance, and I love talking about fantasy. So this has been so much fun. Thank you. Um, So yeah, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rom Book Pod, inclusively yours. If you like weekly recommendations on inclusive romance, please take a moment to subscribe. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at Rom Book Pod. That's R-O-M-B-K-P-O-D. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, happy reading.